Chapter Thirteen of White Rose of Weary Leaf by Violet Hunt. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Thirteen. The meal was dreary. Everyone was worried as to the result of Dulce's walk, for it was impossible to tell from her face whether anything had happened or no. The expression of unnatural excitement with which she had started could hardly have been augmented and was constant all through the meal. Then crockery was packed up, tea leaves emptied on the heather, and the question of home-going began to occupy the minds of the party. "'Mr. Dykinson wants to drive you, Amy,' said Mr. Dand, coming up to the girl. "'What will you do? Accept his offer, or go in the carriage with Edith and the old ladies?' "'It seems unnatural,' began Amy. She stopped suddenly. Even with Mr. Dan, she did not quite like to take the engagement of Dulce and Dykinson coarsely into account. Well, I suppose I'd better go with him, if he asks me. I shall be bored to death, but please say I will. She imagined that the young man had settled it with Dulce, and now wished to pour confidences into the willing ear of Dulce's companion. Shy men are apt to choose the person who has been about their lady-love for this purpose, she reflected. It is rather a mean way of beginning at the thin end of the family wedge. She passed along to the side of the road where Dykinson's little motor, which he had sent for from Oldfort the other day when the picnic was first talked of, was standing. He was already installed, and imperturbably gave her his hand to steady her and help her up. Mr. Dan tucked a rug all round her body with scientific precision, and they started. "'Aren't we going to go any faster than this?' asked Amy presently. Speed was to constitute her only pleasure in this journey. "'There's no hurry, is there?' the young man asked. "'One can't talk going at top speed.' "'Something new,' thought Amy, for him to want to talk. "'I suppose being engaged has loosened his tongue.' She amiably set her face to him, waiting for him to begin to dilate on his fiancée's perfections, but he seemed, instead, deeply concerned about her comfort.' "'Are you sure that you're warm enough?' "'Yes, quite, thank you.' His hands were busy, eagerly, tenderly, folding the rug and her own coat about her. She grew uncomfortable and began to talk of Dulce. "'Do you know,' she said, "'I have grown so awfully fond of Dulce lately. I was always fond of her, but I find her to be so honest, so thoroughly reliable, so—' "'She's a nice straight girl enough,' said Dykinson complacently. "'Bad dresser, though. Shocking.' "'Oh, that boy! You noticed that. But she'll learn.' "'Never,' said he. "'They go on as they begin. She's not smart. She's not even neat, confound it all. Now you—' "'Oh, don't let us discuss me.' "'Why not? Do you mind being told that you are far and away the smartest girl in the North?' "'I know I am tidy,' said Amy stiffly, "'and I promise you I'll give Dulce a few tips.' "'Tell her not to wear a pink bow, eh?' and wind it round fellows' necks. Oh, the wind must have done that. Maybe. I shouldn't mind yours wound round my neck, on purpose. I say. He made a gawky, amorous lunge in her direction. Let me have a kiss, won't you? Certainly not. Do you mind being kissed? I loathe it. Well, I won't do it against your will. I should hope not. She turned away, minimizing as far as possible the odious propinquity of the car. She was helpless, and realized that calm indifference was her only cue. He returned to the charge. "'But still you might let me. 
Just one. She groaned to evidence her boredom. What can it matter, he said, surprised. Except to me and, and Dulce, she added tentatively, though by now it was plain to her that he had not proposed to her friend. She sat in outward calm, but secretly far more upset by this to her very ordinary incident than she would have cared to own. They were still five miles from home. It was no use sulking. Presently, thinking she had now effectually disposed of his pretensions and damped his ardour, she was minded to try to be civil. She turned towards him, but his consequent remark infuriated her. "'Do you mean to say that you can live without love?' "'Very well,' she replied, curbing her natural instinct to turn and rend him for his fatuity in supposing that, even if it were not so, he personally was capable of supplying the felt want. But argument in these cases is provocative and dangerous. He continued, "'Perhaps you don't, old Dand. I wish you would not talk to me, but attend to your driving. I hate this sort of thing.' He remembered tardily that he was a gentleman and apologized. "'Miss Stevens, really, I didn't mean to offend you. I—some girls, you know. But you seem to be the kind that doesn't like being made love to.' Amy, inclined to express her disgust at this abuse of the word, since argument was condescension, contained herself and accepted his apology. He was jubilant. "'I can't deny that I wanted to kiss you,' said he. "'For I did. I do.' That needn't offend you, need it? It is a compliment when all's said and done. But I can take a plain hint when I am given it. I don't think you ought to be so cross with me, considering all things. After a long afternoon spent in getting up steam, don't you know? But why— She got no further. She could not ask him in so many words why he had got up steam for nothing, and come away without making the proposal he had contemplated. Poor Dulce! She had been too eager. Yes, she must have frightened the words back down his throat. The pink boa had been too much for him. It had suggested claws, tentacles. She saw it all. She herself took no manner of interest in this young fellow, except to admire his perfect, exquisite cleanness, so pronounced as to be almost a virtue. Yet she, the woman who didn't care, had made the running. Not caring was the adorable quality unapproachable, inimitable. It was no good pretending not to care, even, for your senses found you out. She pondered these things as they made the last few miles in silence. After dinner, Mr. Dan spoke to her. Well, did he? Did he what? asked Amy crossly. Try to kiss you. Amy bent her head. She was ashamed for the odious sex of whom this true indictment could be brought. She forgot to take into account that other variety of her own, whose vanity exacts, expects, and does not resent this form of tribute, and whose favourite stalking-ground for this species of amusement is in cabs and carriages, and vis-a-vis -vis conveyances of all sorts. She remembered her own arrival at Oldfort, when Mr. Dand himself had come to meet her in the brougham prepared to drive twelve miles with the new inmate of his house in the blundering shades of night. She would now have been ashamed to admit what her first thought on seeing his figure on the platform, Captain Furred, with a warm coat for her over his arm, had been. As the coachman might have easily been instructed to see to the comfort of the new companion, 
she had thought it likely enough that the master's solicitude was due to man's eternal preoccupation. Her experience of the sex had assured her that they were all alike. Mr. Dand would probably exact toll on the way home. Some women would have been disappointed at the innocent turn which their intercourse on those twelve dreary miles did in effect take. But Amy's satisfaction had been the prime cause of the ease and freedom with which she had subsequently found herself able to discuss every subject with Mr. Dand. She was now strangely anxious to convince him that Dickinson's foolish caress had been evaded. She murmured something explanatory of the facts. "'Why not?' he's clean if there was nothing else she answered disgustedly there was dulce we had all hoped that but he has proposed to dulce all right he has just interviewed me she bounced up then i think his conduct was simply disgraceful dulce lit and fanned a flame she could not allay that's all oh how horrible you are it was not said pettishly or archly the tears were in her eyes she was sincerely revolted by this last revealed stage of the process, crowning the heaped-up cynicism of the day. "'Learn that men are brutes,' said her master gently. She was by way of knowing it, but his urgency filled her with disillusionment. "'Are you all?' she murmured. He looked at her. It was absurd, but she thought it seemed as if he must take her in his arms for the moment. Then he turned away. I cannot tell. My own emotions are deep. Go upstairs and congratulate Dulce. End of chapter 13 Read by Lisa Reichert